four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. I got just a couple of thoughts on this, and then I'm going to turn things over to Aaron. I have a question this morning, and I don't know the answer to it, but I do want to share with you that the answer is depending on who you ask. But in this story, Lazarus has been dead four days. Would you agree that someone dead four days is not revivable? Think he might have some brain damage or uh, maybe even some uh, rigor mortis or other things that go along with death that are already done. Well, at this time, they believed there's no hope. They believed that the spirit of the person stayed around three days, then it departed and no more to return. So they knew after four days, on the fourth day, Lazarus was dead. No hope, no chance, too late. God can't do anything. Nobody can do anything because they understand things a certain way. But how long is it until somebody's really dead? How long? They covered him up, put him in a tomb, wrapped him in grave clothes. And apparently that wasn't enough. So how long is it? You know, someone who's unrevivable, brain dead, They say in some places four minutes, right? Before brain injury starts to occur. This is four days. Four minutes, I've heard. But when is it too late to hope for a recovery when someone's on life support? When do you pull the plug? How do you know when God can't do anything? How can you tell? Is it an hour? A moment? When the last breath is taken, how long until something or someone is no longer able to be brought back to life? I've I've wondered that. I can't really tell because to me, dead seems dead. Like a final thing. It's a finality. Well, we're, we're at the funeral and Lazarus is dead. It's over. You were late. You missed his death and you almost missed his funeral. Jesus, you really didn't do too good. Did you know that Lazarus being dead four days, he's resurrected on the fourth day. How long Jesus was dead? Three. According to them, it's unrevivable, unrecoverable, no possibility of life to get back into that body. Same with Lazarus, so the same with Jesus. 
But Jesus says in verse 25, very first couple of words there, he says, I am the resurrection. But, 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 you know, the body just doesn't become a body anymore because it's too late. And he goes, you don't understand how God works. He's the resurrection. It doesn't matter what things look like. It didn't mean a whole lot to Martha either. You're going to see this story and I'm only going to touch a highlight here. But when Jesus arrives, she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's a fact. But he's four days late. And I think she's a little upset that the healer missed the possibility of the resurrection date by a day. We sent for you several days ago and you didn't come. And if you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. There's pain in those words. If God would have showed up, things would have been different. Have you ever felt that way? I have, for sure. And yet she says, but even now I know. I know, she says. And now now let me tell you what she's doing. She's quoting somebody. She's quoting a religious statement, not her faith. If it was her faith, she wouldn't have worried about whether or not Lazarus could be resurrected today. But this is a statement that she makes. I know that whatever you ask of God, God's going to give you. I know this. But what what is she asking him to ask of God? Because when we see in the story later, he tells her to move the stone. She says, you can't do that. He stinks. But, But you just said, if you ask God, he'll do it. But her theology and the idea that he's been dead three days doesn't jive with her faith. Therefore, her faith hasn't been formed and solid until you believe God can do whatever God wants in any given situation. (laughs) What about a church? How do you know when a church is alive and thriving? And how do you know when it's dead? How do you know when it's pointless for its existence? Is it when it's opening doors for those attending just to have a place to go? Is that when it no longer is relevant? When is it? There's a story I was told this week after I shared a little bit about what I was going to share with a friend of mine. And he said, you need to tell him about that church that closes doors. And I said, what church was that? He said, you mean you never heard of it? And I said, no, tell me. He said, there was a church very concerned about closing its doors. It didn't want to close its doors. And so they, they had a lot of people giving to the church and they wanted to hold the money in case the church so it wouldn't close its doors. On the day it closed its doors, it had $2 million in the general budget fund. $2 million unspent for God's work and they closed the doors because they didn't want to spend the money because they were saving it in case the church closed its doors. I don't know about you, but if God gives us a blessing or, or a gift, the gift is to be used for His glory. Do you know what I mean? I've always seen it that way. A lot of folks think, no, money is something to be saved because it came through some areas where money was tight. 
But in the church, God's economy, if He wants something done, He's going to put the funds there and make it happen. And no matter where it comes from, God's going to make that happen because He does that. God's miraculous like that. And it's amazing to see how many people will step up if you just want to do something for God. It's amazing. It, it, it's inspiring. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email of someone who was listening to the sermon podcast from Oregon. And they said, we're getting fed by what you do there. So we believe our tithe goes to your church. And the tithe has already started coming in. And, and I, I don't know who the person was. I've never even been to Oregon. Well, never been to Oregon physically. But God knew someone in Oregon who needed the work of this church. And this church says, let's do this. Many years ago. And we're reaching people across the country. And now they're reaching back and saying, thank you. So you, how do you know what, what you're going to touch and when God's going to show up with whatever you might need to do something, right? You never know. But I wanted this morning, I don't know if it's for fun or curiosity, but I'm one of those guys that likes to look at stuff. Numbers, see how we're doing compared to last year. Not like um, to put a feather in the head or anything like that, because I sometimes need that encouragement. And reminder that God's still here. So this morning I began to pull up the numbers for the last year at our church to see if it's still alive. We're still helping the world know more about Jesus. Let me share with you something you may not know if you haven't been here since COVID. Our average attendance has gone down more than half. Our average attendance is since the restart after we're allowed to come back to church is 16. 16 bodies and pews on average. Online, 75. We've never averaged 75 in a long time in this church. But that's 75 plus 16. That's 91 watching on Sunday mornings. And there are people who are listening. And a part of the service, and let me tell you where they're from. We represent 86 countries in a given week. And 1,677 cities from across the globe. Uh, do you begin to see the numbers yet? I'm going to give you more. Our video log, which we started March 1st, has about 5,200 people since March 1st. That's just under 25 daily. Daily. Do the math on the weekly. Beyond the 16, we reach 200 every week with a message about hope, faith, or inspiration in Jesus Christ. 200 a week. Globally, we're making progress. I like that. Regionally, we serve about 25 households per week in our food pantry. That's 1,380 boxes of hope and food that people choose for themselves to feed their families. So that 1,380 boxes is households, not individuals. Most homes have 2.3 people. So that's about close to 3,000 people a year that we support. That's about 50 families or 50 people per week every Wednesday that get help. So do you think Melbourne United Methodist Church is dead? 16 people, people say, oh, you know, you're not doing anything, right? But there's more. I just want to encourage you this morning. The Gideons meet here. They have their home here in half for a long time. 
we support them. And we also support at least nine different missions or endeavors in our community and in our region. As COVID eases now, we know that we got to reach our membership and our community intentionally. We've got to do that. Because what looks like decay actually is a groundwork for growth. Why? Because in a week, about 12 kids are playing on that uh, slide and boat that we put out there a year or two ago. 12 kids a week, minimum. And on our basketball court, there's five kids a week, minimum, shooting baskets. Now, these kids might be repeats throughout the week, so there's at least 17 and maybe more times a day. The youth who play here on the boat and on the court spoke up. They asked us something. They said, aren't your court, we like it, but it's not in good shape. <laughs> now, youth are peer-oriented. And this is what they said. We have friends that we like to hang out with and we like a place for them to come and do mutual interests. And our friends like basketball. And we have friends in other towns in the county that don't have anywhere to play. In the county, outside. And not inside either because of COVID, but most folks don't have indoor basketball court they can go to on a regular basis. Let me tell you a true story. When I was a kid, I say a kid, I was in high school. I'd walk six blocks, because I was too young to drive still, basketball in hand, walk down to St. Mark's Church. St. Mark's Church had an outdoor basketball court, and I could shoot there anytime I wanted, as long as it wasn't school or church in session. And, and I'd go there and shoot. And while I was shooting baskets, other kids would come, and we'd have pick-up games and play games on their court, and we hung out. And we knew St. Mark's was a place where we could find togetherness. And if someone said, so where do you hang out? St. Mark's Church. St. Mark's Church, you're a Methodist. Oh, oh, sorry, on their basketball court. And the word got out about St. Mark's because we like to play there. And the friend said, you know, our youth friends who play, who don't come to our church, said, you know, if this was a really nice court, people would come from all over here. They would. And I said, you know what? Maybe we can do something about that. And so our board met two years ago. In March of 2020, I guess that's almost two years ago, and decided, yeah, let's do this. Let's give the opportunity to the congregation on Easter Sunday morning, 2020. Two weeks before COVID shut everything down. So we never got to present it to our church. We never got to share what our youth are asking for. But the other day, there were some out here, again, shooting. And seven kids playing on the boat. And I saw three kids on the court. And I said, the need hasn't gone away. We need to talk about it. So our board met this last Sunday. And I gave them some good news. I said, you know, we're uniquely situated to raise those five kids that come every week on that court to a number we can't even think about. And we don't even have to worry about it once we got it done. All we have to do is put it there and they will come. It's not field of dreams or anything. If you build it, they will come. But you know what I mean, right? They will come. There's a way to reach people that nobody in this county can do. And we got the groundwork 
and the kids who have the connections who are willing to use our property and we can make this a safe place for them to do that. I thought, you know, we've got the little kids with the, the boat and the slide and the swings on it and they love it. And we kind of got something for the older kids but it's not very nice. And I believe God wants us to do things excellently. So I shared the vision with people. And they said, me too. And last Sunday when we reaffirmed the need for a renovated court, I was encouraged by the response. We chose to honor the youth in our community, in our region, who agree with the assessment that it needs fixed, needs better. It isn't just a nice idea. People have today embraced this vision. And, and I've got some news for you I want to share with you. First of all, one piece of news I got a few days ago, most of us in here haven't heard about. On December 3rd, Carlisle is doing Cram the Cruiser. You know what Cram the Cruiser is? Anybody heard of that? Yep. Cram the Cruiser. They called me and said, I said, okay. And they said, well, when can we deliver it? I said, we don't need a car. <laughs> That's the last thing we need at a church police cruiser. And they said, no, no, no. Your pantry on Wednesday reaches a lot of people and we've gotten word. We want to deliver it to your pantry. And I said, then, okay, here's when you can do that. They're going to bring whatever's crammed in that cruiser to our pantry because we're a blessing and the community knows it. They know it. Isn't that good news? I was thinking it was a sales call. I almost didn't answer it. You know, those uh, wireless caller thing. But I answered. I was thankful. But I want to tell you something else about what has happened as I've shared the court vision again now that we're able to begin to do something. I mentioned it to some people and I found out that there were people willing to give. But they want to encourage others and so they've issued a challenge. They have offered $2,500 in matching funds. In other words, any dollar we give toward the court will be doubled. Which is so nice because that amount will get the job done. It will get it done. It won't just be uh, a cleaned up court. Let me tell you what this is going to be like, all right? This is going to be a reality. And we believe we can get it done this spring with your help. We want to make the pad regulation half court. So we got to add a little concrete to it. We want to put a new goal on it. One that's nice, not just haphazard, but one that's durable, weather resistant, and can crank up and down by any age child to get it to the height they can play at. It will be professionally done with court markings. It will be professionally installed goal. Our property here will be a seven day a week property. We want to run an electric line out there so lights can be up so they can play safely at night and not worry about someone threatening them or hurting them that might be uh, unsafe people. We have other ideas, though, to help our members, not just the community of teenagers around us and young 20-somethings, to encourage other age groups to come. We have a vision for the local church here our members. We couldn't do it because of COVID. But we want to do these things. We want to transform this community. We want to transform lives. And we've been prevented from doing that. But we believe God gave us this vision to do this first. And then the next thing. 
And I, I'm not going to tell you what the next thing that I believe God wants us to do is, but I shared it with someone and they said, yeah, let's get this court done so we can do that. I'd love to be able to tell you what I believe God wants us to do, but let's get this one done first. And so if you're willing and able to help today, I've put an offering plate at this chair and on the back table that will help get that done. So just put in there what you want to go toward that. And if anything up to 2500 to be matching and anything above that amount, if that happens today, we'll actually make it even nicer, landscaped and beautified in ways we just really love to see. So you have a part in the future of our region and community if you'd like to help. I wanted to share that with you in this last thing. The day we put this boat out here for kids to play on, People said, oh, your kids are going to love that to come to your church. Did you know on that day we had a total of none? Our vision wasn't for us. Our vision is for the people out there who don't go to church or who don't have a place to bring their children in our community because there's no park here. There's not much of anything. They even tell you that. Our vision was to give them a place they could go to. Not for us, for them. Because the ministry is outward, not inward. And Jesus was telling that to Martha when He said to her, I am resurrection. Why do you keep looking at your own pain and hurt and loss instead of seeing what I can do and letting me do it? And that's what He promised would happen before it happened and they still didn't think He could. What about you? Do you think God can do something with us yet? I look at the evidence and I believe that we have the ability to do more than a church that closed its door and left two men in a bank. I believe we can do more than that because they did nothing. And God will always bless a church that blesses Him. That's what I wanted to share with you this day, that we have a part in the link to what's next. Thank you. Aaron, would you come and share? Uh, I'm not a good baseball fan, but what inning, what inning is it that they call it the inning of the stretch? 